Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Life is hectic. Friends, family, tasks, managing what is, planning for what could be. And amidst the whirlwind of it all, we have questions about it all. Who should I be? What should I do? Uh, Who should I date? How do I manage my money? How do I plan for the future? How how do I have a conversation? Uh, There's so much on our minds. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a map for how to live life well? I feel like that'd be so nice. Because not only are we like trying to feel our way through life, it seems like at every turn, there's something that could trip us up, who we hang out with or something we said, or maybe a trap that we've fallen. We scar our kids by what we said or bury ourselves in debt. Or heaven forbid, there's a landmine we step on, a character flaw that surfaces, or a night that we regret forever. Life is crazy. And more than not failing, we really want to succeed. We want to thrive. We don't want to just survive. Uh, We want to be a great person, a great friend, a great salesman, a great spouse. But how? How do we live life well? Well, this is what this series is all about. We don't want to just survive. We want to thrive. We want to live a life that we're proud of. At the end, we don't want to look back and think, ugh, you know, like we have have regrets of how we lived. The good news for us is that God actually maps the way through his word and very specifically in the book of Proverbs. In fact, we're going to look at the book of Proverbs throughout this series as the map for how you and I can live our lives in such a way that we could say, and others could say, we lived well. We're going to familiarize ourselves with this navigation tool of Proverbs today. So I invite you to open with me to Proverbs chapter 2. If you need a Bible or a place to jot down some field notes along the way, feel free, click the message notes tile in our free church app. The reason we're looking to the book of Proverbs specifically is because it was penned uh, by the wisest man the world's ever known, besides Jesus, of course. His name was Solomon. He was a king in Israel from 971 BC to 931 BC. And early on in Solomon's kingship, God appeared to Solomon in a dream. And he gave Solomon an incredible opportunity. He said, I'll give you whatever you ask for. Solomon could have asked for wealth. He could have asked for military victory, power, influence. He could have asked for so many different things. And yet he wisely chose to ask God for wisdom. God gave Solomon what he asked for. And in giving Solomon wisdom, God really gave a gift to humanity, as we'll experience today and in the messages to come. As we dive in, to the book of Proverbs, let's pause and pray and ask God that we'll, God will make us wise so that we can live well. Lord, we do. We come before you and we ask that you would speak, that you would uh, use your word to make us wise so we can live life well in a way that honors you, in a way that's good for us 
and for others. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, picking up in Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 4. Solomon writes, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. Okay, three times in these four verses, Solomon says, If you, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. If you, and he then follows that if you with different words that parallel one another, they, they depict what he's talking about. He says, my words, my commands, insight, understanding, but it's actually in verse two. Right couched in the middle of all the if-yous that Solomon penned the word that really captures all of his writing. A, a word that if we understand and, and we live, will make all the difference in our lives. And the word is wisdom. He said in verse 2, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Wisdom, what's wisdom? Well, in a way, that's kind of what Proverbs and this series is all about. But at the outset, let me give us a working definition of wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge applied. Knowledge is about information. Wisdom is about transformation, information that's expressed as application. God made a proposal with Solomon. And, and like God made this proposal with Solomon to, to give him what he asked for, Solomon, in a way, is making a proposal with us. If you seek wisdom, if you search for knowledge and apply it, if you seek wisdom, then what? Well, if you seek wisdom, then you will find the source. He said it this way in verse 5 and 6. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. When we seek wisdom, we find God because God is the source of all wisdom. For Solomon, seeking wisdom was synonymous with seeking God. Now, I, I highlighted at the front end, you know, we, we have all these questions uh, about life, about how to do things, uh, big things, little things, simple things, complex things. And what do we do when we have a question? We Google it. Uh, how to ask a girl out, how to land your dream job, how to discipline your kids. Now, if we're searching for information, Google is great. But if we are after transformation, Google's not going to give us the results we're searching for. Only God can do that. God is the ultimate source of wisdom, the, the instigator of transformation. Solomon knew this firsthand, and it can be our experience too. Uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus, later wrote this. He said, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. I've read this passage many times, and if I'm honest with you, 
it, it inspires both hope in me and trepidation in me. Hope because what we read is that if we ask in faith for wisdom, God's going to give it. We can take that promise to the bank. And at the same time, I feel this level of trepidation because there are times where I question if God hears me. I wonder if he cares. And I don't want to be denied my request. I don't want to be denied the wisdom that we seek. So it's in this tension of of wanting to ask in faith and yet being held back by my flesh that I find great confidence in what the author of Hebrews writes because as the author highlights, it all comes back to Jesus. I mean, just listen to this from Hebrews 4. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, it is through Jesus that we can approach God confidently, that we can ask God for wisdom in faith, faith that doesn't waver. So back in in Proverbs 2, we see that if we seek wisdom, we're going to find the source. We're going to find God. And when we find God, we find life. In verses 7 and 8 of Proverbs chapter 2, Solomon put it this way. He says, he holds success, he being God, holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Here we're taught that God is the one who gives success and God is the one who shields us from straying from his way. This leads us to the second benefit of seeking wisdom. If you seek wisdom, then you gain guidance. Solomon continued in verse 9, Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. From the, from the first word to the final period, Scripture is very clear. God is the author of life. And as the author of life, God knows how life is best lived. This means uh, that if we want to know how to live well, we've got to get to know God. And we've got to follow His ways. In fact, Jesus kind of built upon this and this idea of, of wisdom guiding us. Uh, and He kind of supercharged it. He didn't kind of, he actually did. He supercharged it for us. And he shared how this was all going to go down in a conversation that he had with his disciples, his closest friends, right before he died on the cross. He's sitting around the dinner table with them, and he tells them that he's going to send his spirit. And his spirit, this Holy Spirit, is going to come. It's going to convict people of sin. It's going to point people to Jesus, and it's going to guide people in the way they should live. And then the most amazing thing happened. Probably about 50 days later, the Holy Spirit comes. And it's incredible. He does exactly what Jesus said. He convicts people of sin. 
He points people to Jesus and then he guides them in the way to live. And as followers of Jesus, you and me, we know God, we can have confidence as we approach him because of Jesus. And we have the Holy Spirit, God's presence in us, guiding us each step of the way. So we can live well. Andy Stanley, a pastor, an author who lives in Atlanta, Georgia, I once heard him pose a question that I found incredibly helpful. The question is this, what is the wise thing to do? We're going to come back to this question time and again throughout this series as we look at the application of this question in a bunch of arenas of life. But I share it with us now. What's the wise thing to do so that you can begin asking this question as you try to navigate whatever you're trying to navigate? Uh, It could be, you know, what's the wise thing to do in this relationship? What's the wise thing to do as I close the deal? What's the wise thing to do with the money that I earn? It It could be a bunch of different things. In fact, I remember very distinctly when Amanda and I were discerning whether or not we should you know, put an offer on the house that we actually now live in. We, we looked at the house and we, we drove back to her parents where we were staying at the time while we were looking for homes and we're sitting in our car and we are just running through the pros and cons list, wondering like, should we put an offer down? Uh, is this gonna make us house poor? Like, what's the deal? Like, how, how are we gonna do this? Is this, the, is this the house that we should be living in? Like, what? And I remember we were so confused, wondering what to do. And, and then we, we discussed this question, what's the wise thing to do? We've asked this question when we're trying to make big decisions, like what house to buy. And we've asked it even in small decisions, like whether or not to say yes to an invitation for dinner or you know, should we sell a car and buy a car or whatever? It could even be like, what school should we send our girls to or, or activities? What, should, what, should, what activities should they be involved in? We just ask this question, what's the wise thing to do? And it seems like it's not a magical question, but when we ask it, the Holy Spirit in us will, will use that simple question to bring clarity to what was confusing. If you seek wisdom, you'll find the source and you'll gain guidance. But Solomon's not done making his case for wisdom as he demonstrates next. Now, the third kind of case that he makes is this. If you seek wisdom, it will save you from straying. He wrote this in verses 12 through 15. Wisdom will save you from the ways of of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. You know, in some work environments today, the unwritten narrative is that if you want to get ahead, you got to compromise your character. You got to stretch the truth to make the sale. You got to, you know, deceive the client so you can seal the deal fudge the numbers, right? You got to fake it till you make it. Oddly enough, in pastor circles, there's a joke about pastor math. You see, pastors are great at rounding up, generously rounding up, so things appear better than they are. 
And I've felt this both when I've uh, served in larger church contexts and in smaller church contexts. And when I'm with people and they're, you know, inflating their metrics, whatever the metric is, attendance, budget, whatever it is, it just makes me feel all the more insecure because whatever the number is for me, I, I feel it because everyone else's numbers are bigger. At least they're saying they are. But I've spent some time, I've been reading Proverbs a lot personally recently and, and also in preparation for this series. And I'm convicted that God really cares about honesty and communicating honestly and recording things honestly. So I just want to let you know at Connect, we are trying to make a commitment to be plain, to be clear, to be honest about any numbers, engagement, finances, whatever it is, because ultimately we want to honor God in this. Now, at the same time, I find myself in these pastor circles and I am just as tempted as the next guy to inflate something so that others think of me differently. So with that being said, could you do something for me? Could you pray for me? Could you pray that I am just confident in Christ? I am secure in him and what he's called us to. Whether he has us in a, in a smaller church context or a larger church context, we just want to be faithful to him and his mission. We all know. We all know that we shouldn't compromise our character. We know that, that, that that's not who we want to be known as, and yet we're tempted to. So, Let's not sabotage the success that God has in store for the upright. But if we have, if we, if we have compromised our character, if we've strayed from God's way, just know this. The good news of Jesus is that there is forgiveness for you at the foot of the cross. And when you're tempted, and when I'm tempted, because we're going to be tempted, when you're tempted in the meeting, when you're writing the email, when you're walking downtown, whatever it is, when you're tempted, I would invite you to ask yourself this question. What is the wise thing to do? I believe that when we ask that simple question, the Holy Spirit's going to reveal God's way to us. Solomon continues. Now in verse 16, he says, Wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. Surely her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. When we're on a trip, when we're walking downtown, when we're sitting in bed, scrolling through Netflix, trying to figure out what we want to watch, let's ask ourselves, what's the wise thing to do? Because... The wise way keeps us from slipping into suggestive content, keeps us from losing to lust. We're going to talk more about this later in the series in a message called Wise Romance. So I'll leave it at that for now. But what we've seen today is that Solomon's case for wisdom is this. If you seek wisdom, you'll find the source. If you seek wisdom, you'll gain guidance. And if you seek wisdom, It'll save you from straying. But what he does to conclude this is he paints a stark picture 
of the upright, those who go the wise way, and the wicked, those who are foolish. He said it this way, for the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. What's the land? You know, he says the land. Well, Solomon is, is, using, a, is using language that is often, uh, you know, connected with blessing in the Old Testament. For example, God freed his people, the Israelites, from slavery in Egypt, and then he promised to lead them to the promised land. It's kind of where this language really took root and, and shape and form. So Solomon is saying, Look, if you go God's way, if you go the wise way, you're going to experience God's blessing. Now, I don't need to convince any of us that God's blessing is better than not experiencing God's blessing. But I do want to encourage us that God's blessing isn't just for one day in the distant future. We can actually walk in God's blessing along the way. In fact, God's purpose for us is in the process as we go his way, as we relate with one another, as we manage the tasks and the resources before us. It's in the process that we experience transformation, the Holy Spirit working in us, our knowledge of God expressing itself in the way we live our lives. And, and the joy, the joy is actually in the journey. Sure, life's hectic. It's crazy. There's so much vying for our attention, so many questions that we have, but we don't have to do it alone. Together, we can discover what it looks like to live well because uh, wisdom is the compass to navigate the whirlwind. Let's pray. Lord, Thank you for giving us your wisdom. Thank you for giving Solomon your wisdom that we can learn from him. And thank you for giving us wisdom when we ask for it. So, Lord, if we've never even asked for it, we just come before you now with all the faith we can muster and say, would you please make us wise? Would you reveal to us the wise thing to do? In each situation and scenario we find ourselves in, and through it all, would we grow in our relationship with you and how that's expressed in our relationship with others. In Jesus' name.